0: Romans chapter 1 and beginning at verse number 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Let's turn also to the book of Hebrews. And we will also be reading from the first chapter there in Hebrews. Titus, Philemon, and... Hebrews Hebrews chapter one and reading the first three verses. And it says in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Say that with me by his son. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Lord, even as we begin this series by asking the question, do you still speak to us today? O God, Father, I pray that we would have Lord even a heart to receive the revelation that you are desiring to give to each and every one of us. That you are alive and that you are speaking to us, O God. And you desire intimate relationship with each and every one of us. I pray that as we minister this word this morning, Lord, that you'd begin to illuminate these scriptures that we've read, O God, Lord. That as we have gathered together here today, Lord, we would learn what it is to walk with you, O God. And Lord, that in walking with you, we would please you in every way. We would desire to please you in the things that we say and that we do, that we'd be bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened with all with all power, according to your glorious might. We thank you and praise you for it. In Christ Jesus name, we pray. Amen. Amen. As we're talking and understanding this series, we've entitled it walking with God. And, uh, you know, there's many as uh, uh, uh... As a pastor, you you go through and you begin to think about how you're going to title a series or title a particular message, and you know there, there's many things, and sometimes my crazy side kind of comes out. And when you're thinking of all these uh, kind of crazy titles that can come out, and and as I was thinking about this series, I, I first started with this aspect of hearing God's voice, and um, and, and as we we're thinking about how do we hear God's voice, and and as I began to think about it, I began to understand. That it's not only just hearing God's voice, but it's hearing and obeying and walking in relationship with God. And there are many of us, as we're seeking to hear God's voice, I want us not just to stop at the aspect of desiring to hear what is God saying. Because God is speaking, and there's no doubt, as we're going to begin to share today, that God is actively speaking throughout all of creation, and he's declaring uh, the things of his kingdom. And so there's not a question whether or not God is speaking, but the question is, are we able to hear what he is saying and actively obey? obey what he's saying so that we can get from the places that we're at to the places where he wants us to be to go from glory to To glory, to, you know, we're in these places, whatever life stage that we're at. Maybe we have children. Maybe we're in school. Maybe we've gone on and we've done a number of different endeavors. But God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you do not understand those plans and purposes for those lives, it is just like someone who is walking aimlessly throughout the earth you ever walked and You're, you're looking at someone. And you're saying, do you know where you're going do you know, they're not paying attention. They're just walking. And, and, and I mean, especially in Boston, people just kind of walk with their heads down anyway. So, I mean, they're not paying attention to everything that's going on. The prophet Amos said this and he, what he said, he said, can two walk together unless they be agreed. And so what we realized and we started this transition last week as we began to talk about the fact that we were made for his pleasure, that God created us to please him. And when we try to please others, when we try to please others above God, we will always miss the mark because although we may end up pleasing them, we will displease the one who has created us. And so what we recognize as we're beginning to look here is that we cannot walk with God. We cannot engage in a relationship with God unless we be agreed with who he is and the plans and the purposes that he's established in the earth. And we cannot understand who he is and the plans and purposes that he's established from the earth unless he reveals it or speaks to us. So now you begin to understand why hearing And walking with God is so important because if we're not hearing, we can easily be sidetracked and doing a lot of stuff, but never doing what God called us to do. I remember when I was in college and, um, and and there was a season where I was having some difficulties in one of my classes and, and I was an engineering major and, and uh, it was one of our advanced engineering classes and I was just like, Lord, you know, I'm sitting here serving you and I'm, I'm sitting here doing all these things and I was complaining before the Lord and I was saying, why is it that this class is so difficult? And the Lord's response to me just, I mean, it was just deep. It was just really deep. And what he said to me was, because you're not studying. <laughs> And, 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 and I mean, I'm expecting some, you know, prophetic word, you know, the enemy has come to attack me. And, you know, I'm just expecting something just that, that's really just going to blow my mind. And he said, he's not saying I'm like, and, and my response to the Lord, but I'm doing your work, Lord. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm the president of the gospel choir. I'm doing all these different things. I'm, I'm having all these things that are going on. And the Lord said, he said, it's not the fact that you're doing all these things. But he said, your priorities are in the wrong places. And so what he's what he began to minister to me about is he said that imagine that you had a block which had maybe 40 units of something, 40 units of energy. Let's say God allocated 10 units of that energy to go and to do my academic studies. Let's say he uh, allocated another 15 units to go and do these uh, the work of the kingdom and things that need to go on, maybe whether it was in being the president of the gospel choir or Bible studies and everything else. Now, my thought is the more that I can add in terms of the godly things, in terms of going to church and everything else, the greater, you know, the greater in the kingdom I would be. And so I was trying to put all my energy into going to Bible study, doing all these different activities. And what the Lord was saying was that he was saying that the season that he had placed me in, there was a call to be faithful, not only to the responsibility of a relationship with him but a call to be faithful also in the responsibility of doing well in my academic studies. Because if I believe that God called me to the university of Michigan, then I need to have importance in that assignment while I was there. The same as the uh, importance I would place on whether or not I was helping in church or doing the other things. Now, I I don't want us to take this to the other extreme where we just begin to do all secular activities and we miss out on what God has allocated. The issue was not whether or not I was studying or not. The issue was I did not allocate properly according to God's priorities. And so what we need to understand is that if we're not hearing from God, we will not walk with him because we will make our own self allocations based upon what feels good. I mean, think about it. I mean, the tendency, and and some of us, uh, we have one extreme or the other. Some of us, we like to do the hard things first. And so we see a whole bunch of things there. We like to get the hard things out of the way. Now, the majority of us, The hard things are the things that are still sitting in your house right now. Maybe it's that room that still has a bunch of clothes that, you know, needs to be organized. But you're just like, I'll get to it one day. Maybe it's the box that's or excuse me, boxes that are sitting downstairs in your basement or that closet of stuff that you said you will organize. And every month you just continue to throw more things inside of there. But whatever it is. We recognize that if we are going to walk with God, we need to be able to hear what God is saying so that we can understand priorities. And then in understanding priorities, we can then begin to accomplish all that God has called us to accomplish. And the reality is, is that in the work of the kingdom, all of us are called to be a part, but each of us may have different functions in how that part is coming together as a whole. And when we are out of place, because either number one, we didn't understand our place in the first place, or number two, we're trying to do someone else's role, or number three, we're just kind of too tired physically to be able to do the things that God has called us to do. The kingdom of God is affected Because you're not in the place that God established and placed you to be. So what is this aspect? We're talking about walking with God. And as we talk about this aspect of walking together, unless they be agreed, we recognize that one of the most important questions and one of the questions that I've personally wrestled with uh, throughout my Christian experience is the question, does God speak to his people? And... If we're honest here, I believe every one of us could raise our hand and say that at some time we've wondered about that question. We've wrestled with that question. We thought about it. And the interesting thing is that this is a question that is asked from people from all spectrums of faith the atheist or the secular humanist does not believe in God. And so the notion that God speaks is such a misnomer that he, the answer to this question is of course, God does not speak to his people because they do not believe that God even exists. Now, Those who are what we call theists, they believe in God, but they don't believe in one God. These theists, they are there and they see, they see a God who's out there, who's involved in creation and everything, but they do not see him intimately involved in the details of life. And so they see a God who makes his creation. He created the world. Maybe he, he did all these things, but he doesn't really care about what's going on in your individual day-to-day activities. And so for the answer for them is that, does God speak to his people? No, God just kind of lets them run around and whoever survival the fittest. God created the world and just said, have at it. To the believer who desires a healthy relationship with God, But God's ways can seem elusive or confusing to them. They ask this question, does God speak to his people? And for them, the answer needs to be yes. It's of primary importance, this question of does God speak to the to his people? It's not just something that theologians are studying and coming up with some kind of nice way to package whether or not God speaks to his people. But some of you have been in circumstances where you're looking at life and you're saying, God, I need to hear a word from you right now. And at that very moment. You don't want a theologian who just says, well, I think that God may speak. You need to have a confidence that God does speak in the midst of all of things that are going on in the midst of all of the challenges that are taking place. We need to know that God is speaking. In 2001, I faced one of the areas where it was one of the toughest choices of my life. And as I was finishing out with school and, and deciding on what to do next, I was believing God uh, was leading me towards the aspect of starting law school at that time. And I remember on the table, I had this option of starting law school or uh, I had a job offer from a company that would, would have moved me from Detroit, Michigan to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And as I was struggling with this decision, it became difficult to try and hear God's voice in the midst of this life decision that was coming and taking place. And as I shared last week, my, my, my problem of globalism began to establish in. And, you know, of course I, at that time I wasn't married. And so, you know, you're thinking, oh, well, if I go to Minneapolis, will I be able to meet my wife? And, you know, is it's cold up there and, <laughs> and, and everything else. And, and, uh, <laughs> that's why she's my wife (laughs) and, and, you know, I'm beginning to think of all these questions and if, if I can be honest with you, at some points I begin to think, you know what? It was much easier when I wasn't saved and I wasn't thinking about God when I was making decisions. And in my mind, I began to think, you know what, you know, because when I was when I wasn't thinking about God, I just made a decision and I just kind of, you know, that's the decision I made. And I had to deal with the consequences. And then when I journeyed now into really desiring to want to do God's will, I began to become confused. And as I was beginning to try and hear, Lord, I want to hear your voice. And one of the things that happens that we don't realize is that earlier on in our Christianity, I believe that as we make decisions and sometimes we say, you know, we made decisions without consulting God and it worked out well. And some people use that as an excuse to not ask God or to say he doesn't really care about the details. But what we do not realize is that there is a grace of God that is given unto us. And while we are young in the faith, there's a deeper measure of grace that is given. What do I mean by that? That you make certain decisions and God gives grace. Some of you know, some of the people that you dated first, God gave you grace, even though you knew that was not the one. There was grace given. But as that grace was given, what you do not realize is that God expects us to mature so that we are discerning his will. And so that while we're still young and we might miss out on certain things, there's a grace given. But the grace is given so that we can grow and mature to where God wants us to be. And so although I was experiencing the grace of God, the point was God was challenging me to get to a new place in him. And so as he's challenging me and as he was challenging me in this season of my life, I began to realize I really need to understand more than just someone telling me in a book, more than someone just saying, you know what? God speaks. I need to really understand. Does God speak and does he care about the things that are going on in my life? And some of you, you might even be here today, wrestling with that very question yourself. And I pray that as we begin to dive into this, that God begins to minister to you so that you have confidence in knowing that he desires to speak to his people and that he desires to share intimately and to reveal himself to you now. When we say, how uh, uh, does God speak to his people or how does God speak to his people? It implies certain assumptions. Now, what we need to recognize is that when people ask questions, there's assumptions or what we call presumptions that are based in those questions that are being asked. And so when we ask the question, how does God speak to us or does God speak to us? It implies, number one, that we believe that God exists. It implies, number two, that he has revealed himself. And number three, it implies that he desires for us to understand how he has revealed himself. You see, when I say or ask the question, does God speak to his people or how does God speak to his people? What I said with the atheists, they say that's a that's a crazy question because they don't believe that God exists. But inherently, what we're saying is, number one, that God exists, that he's revealed himself himself. And that as he's revealed himself, he desires for us to understand how he has revealed himself and he desires for us to respond to it. Let me deal real briefly with these. Three aspects, because I think they're of primary importance so that we can journey in this place of how does God speak to us and does God still speak today? Uh, in a recent ABC News interview over the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, physicist Stephen Hawking spoke about groundbreaking research in his new book. Some of you may have heard about his statements and and uh, he is 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 a renowned atheist and and uh, uh, and a, a, actually a, a brilliant mind. But his statement was this. He says, one cannot prove that God doesn't exist. And so what, what he has had to do is he's had to shift, he's had to shift from the original aspect of what atheism used to say. Atheism, atheism used to say that I know that God does not exist. Now, in order for someone to make that statement, they would have to have infinite knowledge because that's saying I know that in all the world there does not exist a blue shirt that has a size large. And for the atheists to be able to say that God does not exist, they have to have infinite knowledge to be able to know everything that is within the world to be able to say that God does not exist. So they, the, the atheists now have shifted from saying that God does not exist to saying you cannot prove that God does not exist. But this is the statement that Stephen Hawking said. He said, but science makes God unnecessary. Science makes God unnecessary. And what he begins to say, he says that because of laws such as gravity, he says that when you look at gravity, you don't need someone to start the chain. So basically what he's saying is that uh, based upon this theory of the Big Bang, he says you don't need someone who created all the molecules coming together and banging. It's just the law of gravity. The interesting response to that, uh, John Lennox, who is a Christian, also a, a physicist, he also says that physical laws can never provide a complete explanation of the universe. Laws themselves do not create anything. They merely are a description of what happens under certain conditions. So when the psalmist declares, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, what we begin to ask the question is when you begin to go back and back and back and back and back to the one who says that there is no God, we recognize when you ask the question, who created the world? They'll say some law created it. To which I ask the question, well, who created the law? Because if there was a law there, the law was only observing what was taking place. Gravity, I mean, the mere notion that gasoline propels a car does not get you into a Lexus. Unless, you, you may know that gasoline put inside your tank will take you and if you drive from here, from Boston to New York, if you put a certain amount of gas in your tank, it will get you from point A to point B. That's a law. But it does not create the fact that that because gasoline exists, I now can get from Boston to New York. And so because there are laws, it does not create the fact that, God, uh, that uh, there's no need for God. But there is truly a need for God. And the fool says in his heart, there is no God. When we look in our text here in Romans chapter one, we begin to see what begins to happen. The word of God says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. You see, what we recognize is that God exists. But there are those who are out there who are trying to suppress the fact that God exists. And although God is speaking, and as He exists, He's speaking and sharing characteristics of Himself, there are many who are going to be out there who will suppress the truth because they don't want to deal with the truth. Which brings us to point number two. Number one, that God exists. Number two, that He has revealed Himself. When we say that God has revealed Himself, We cannot come with our own way to determine how we like God to reveal himself, because that would be to play God ourselves. We must search for what he has already revealed about himself. Which is connected to the fact that not only does God reveal himself, but he desires as he reveals himself, he desires that we understand what he has revealed about him. God is not just revealing himself for us to be confused. I mean, the goal of church is not so you can come in and just after you leave out a sermon, oh my goodness, I'm so confused about God. I know nothing about him. No, the goal is that as you are exposed and God reveals more about his character and his nature, that you go and you know more about him so that you can have a intimate relationship relationship with him. And so he's revealing himself. What does the scripture say about this? As we continue looking here in Romans chapter one, it says here, look at verse number 19. Since what, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. He's beginning to talk about what we call God's universal Revelation or uh, or his general revelation. And it says here in verse number 20 it says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. What we begin to see here. Is that God is saying that he has revealed himself plainly. Throughout all the world. And he continues to reveal himself. In a way that men ought to understand. But men. Because of the depravity of their mind. Have made a choice. To suppress who God is. It begins to. Think about the fact. That as we ask does God speak. Maybe the question is not. Does God speak? But the question is, how have we responded to how God has spoken? Have we responded in a way of faith? Or have we responded in a way of suppressing the truth? The atheist asked the question, why in God's infinite wisdom did he leave the details of the most significant event of history? In the hands of fallible humans. You know, it reminds me of someone by the name of Job. As he was struggling with the things that were going on and he began to ask God. God began to ask him, where were you when I formed the earth? Where were you when the mountains began to be hewed out of the side of all the earth and the rock? Were you around when I did this? Were you around when all these things were taking place? God exists, he revealed himself, and he desires for us to know how to understand how he has revealed himself and to respond to it. So as we deal with those three underlining presumptions, we can now move on to this basic question of does God still speak? does he speak today? And if so, how does he speak? Now, I'm going to slightly revise the question, not because it's an invalid question, but because of the cultural baggage that many of us carry with the notion of God speaking. Uh, and, And, you know, it's interesting because, if you hear on some of the popular television shows and um, uh, uh, not shows, but the newscasts and everything else, um, whether or not your political leanings are uh, Republican, Democrat or, or whatever side. Uh, one of the things that President Bush was criticized for was because President Bush said that he heard God speaking to him in how to lead the nation. And as he heard that, it began to become a barrage of people who said, "Well, that sounds like foolishness. Um, uh, it doesn't make sense that God speaks to you. What does He do? Does He speak in a voice?" And and a lot of times when we ask the question, "Does God speak?" our minds can begin to shift into kind of uh, uh, the aspect of uh, the other type of speaking that some people who hear voices kind of talk about and and we begin to think of oh, I'm a Christian but I don't want all that crazy stuff that happens in with other people in terms of I don't want to hear voices and you know uh, God telling me to do all these different things and and what I want to shift as as we're talking about this in terms of understanding speaking is not that the fact that God doesn't speak but in order so that we don't bring the cultural baggage with us I want to say does God reveal himself and his will to his people? Does God reveal himself and his will to his people? And in this question, reveal means both physical hearing and what we call spiritual apprehension. Because God speaks in a manifold of ways and we have to learn how to hear His voice, not simply just audibly, but his voice speaking through the word, speaking through the Holy Spirit, speaking through the circumstances and the multiplicity of ways in which God speaks. So does God reveal himself and his will to his people? let's look at our second scripture that we began reading here in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter one. And it reads in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us, or he has revealed himself by what? By his son. By his son. Now, what is the characteristics of his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe? The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he uh, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. What we begin to see is that when we ask the question, does God reveal himself and his will to his people? we see that he's given a general revelation. What does it mean the general revelation? We saw that there in in Romans and says it says the invisible qualities of God are revealed day to day. When we walk out of this here, we begin to see the order that God has created in the earth. And I know there's a lot of disorder and a lot of crazy things that are going on, but have you ever thought about the fact, I mean, one of the blessings that I had was to be able to see the miracle of birth taking place. And I began to think about the whole process of all of the time, the nine months before the time of birth. And I began to think this, do I really have enough faith to believe that what that was just some random atoms that kind of collided and created a baby? When I look at Nehemiah, do I want to say, you know what? That's random chance that man was created. Do I really want to say, you know what? All these things, they're just randomly put together. They just randomly happen? But what I do recognize is that there is more than random chance going on. There is an awesome creator who created all of creation. And even when I do not have a revelation of Jesus Christ, I see his handiwork at work each and every day that I'm alive. And so this is what we call the general revelation, meaning that God reveals Himself in this universal general revelation. You you don't you can be in Bangladesh, you can be in in the midst of Madrid, you can be anywhere in the world, and you will see God's handiwork. You will see almost like trails of God's handiwork, and these trails point you to back to the fact that there is a Creator and there's an awesome God who has created all of the heavens and the earth. But above the general revelation, it must be more that as it's pointing us to the creator and as it's pointing us back to the one who has created these things, who is this creator? Who is the one that it's pointing to? And this is the particular revelation. And in this revelation, we see here in Hebrews 1 and 1, and it begins to say that as he spoke before time in prophets, he was telling about a man who was to come, who would be God, who would be dwelling among us. And what it begins to now say is that that God who would dwell among us is now made manifest as Jesus Christ came onto the earth. So what he's beginning to tell us, Is that not only has God spoken, but God speaks through Jesus Christ. In the past, he spoke through our fathers, through our forefathers, through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Now. This is what we call special or personal revelation, not in the sense that it's everyone has their own revelation of who Christ is, but it's in the aspect that it's personal, that apart from a relationship with Christ, there are things that you will never be able to understand apart from the personal relationship and through that relationship there are things that you know that come out of that relationship or that are revealed to you there are certain things that many of you know pastor Ophelia many of you know me as pastor Joseph but there are things that pastor Ophelia knows about where my clothes land when I come home after a long day of work she knows things that you will never be able to know And you ought to be thankful for it. (laughs) But apart from relationship, there is an aspect that in relationship, there are things that we know about one another. I mean you you, you see couples when they first get married they're they're, they're, you know they're, they're just so in love and as time goes on you begin to see they start completing one another's sentences and you know there's always the joke that you know people begin to look like one another as they're married for longer and everybody asks you know is that your sister is that your brother and why is that happening because in relationship there are things that are revealed and as they're revealed there's a level of intimacy that begins to build so much so that I begin to know what does pastor Ophelia like and Pastor Ophelia knows, what does Pastor Joseph like? And so when there are mushrooms in the a Chinese that he ordered last night, she begins to pull out the mushrooms and say that he does not like mushrooms. So I'll protect him from all the mushrooms. Because she knows me. Hallelujah. <laughs> what am I saying here? What I'm saying here is that as the scripture begins saying what it's saying is that God has revealed himself and he's revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ. And apart from this relationship with Jesus Christ and apart from growing in that revelation uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, we will only know at a surface level who God is and we will never truly begin to really understand From a depth of knowledge. God, are you speaking in the midst of things that are going on in my life? God is always speaking. Are we listening and drawing closer? Now, what I need us to understand is that apart from relationship, what begins to happen is that the things that God begins to share through the person and the work of Jesus Christ become what we call propositional truths. What I mean by propositional truths, there's something that we just kind of put out there and hey, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work. It's a proposition. We don't know that it's true. But in relationship, we experience the truth of what of who God is. And that's why you see in the Old Testament, it begins to talk about places and experiences experiences. We think about Abraham and when he was going to sacrifice uh, his son, Isaac, it began to talk about the fact and they began to talk about the fact of the place where it was known as the Lord will provide. Now, what did the Lord provide for Abraham? He provided a ram in the bush. Abraham knew that God was the Lord who would provide, not because he read about it somewhere but because it was revealed to him the character and the nature of God. And it was revealed in the details of his very life. You want to talk about something being revealed? Imagine God asked you to sacrifice the most important thing in your life. The promise you had been waiting for, for many years. He asked you to put it on the altar You want to know whether or not this is just some theory that we go by each and every day or whether it's of primary importance that God is speaking. But Abraham stands as a testimony that even in the most dire of life circumstances, God desires to speak to his people and to reveal himself and his will to his people. So what does that mean? If it's revealed through Christ and how that's how God is speaking, it means that relationship is key. And how do we have relationship? Relationship constitutes the words that he's spoken. Relationship constitutes the things that he's created, including ourselves. It includes his prophets who are the one who are speaking his very words. It includes the dreams that he gives to people. It includes the visions. It includes the miracles that are done. It includes his providence, his ordering of the steps of our lives. And so even though we see all of these aspects, these are all connected and all should be pointing us back to Jesus Christ. And what we need to recognize is that if God is speaking through his son, if the words that are being spoken or there's a revelation that is coming, it must be pointing us back to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And if it's pointing to anything other than Jesus Christ, we ought to have our eyes open because maybe it's not a word from the Lord. Because if it's pointing or distracting us from the one who God said he would speak through, which was his son, then it is not in alignment with what God is speaking. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? Now, as we're dealing with this question, I want us to look as, we, as we're wrapping this up and, and tying it together. Even though God has chosen to reveal himself through his son, not every revelation is true. Uh, Look back at the scriptures in in Romans uh, chapter one. Romans chapter one. He says, for all the uh, verse number 23, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. The problem is that when we do not like what has been revealed, we have a nature, and by that nature is that we begin to create something that is more palatable to our liking. When we don't understand something, what do we do? Let's create something else that's easier to understand. And so many of us, when we do not understand God's character and his nature, we begin to say, well, it doesn't make sense to me. So let me create a God in my own image or in my own mind. Now, this is the claim of the atheist who says Christians created God to make them feel more good about themselves. But you know if i when i think about that if i was going to create a god i would have done things a little bit differently you know if I was going to create a God that was palatable to my liking, I, 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 I absolutely would have had what I call the three-day clause in, in the contract. And so there would not have just been a seventh day that he rested, but there would have been a seventh and an eighth and a ninth day that he rested. And, and I would make sure that that was continued throughout all of, of time so that I would have extra days in there to rest. And so, I mean, if I was going to create a God that was palatable to my liking, there would be some things that are different. But what I recognize is that when I begin to look at the character and the nature of God, it's not just because there are things that make me feel good that I'm standing up here preaching his word. It's because he has revealed himself to me. And when I come to grips with the fact that I'm finite and he's infinite, it means that I begin to say, not my will, but your will. So God chooses to reveal himself through his son, but what we need to recognize that not every revelation is true because what began to happen is that in their minds, when they did not understand or did not want to acknowledge the truth, we see this here in Romans, what they began to do is that they began to suppress the truth. And instead of worshiping the creator, they began to worship created things. And so be careful because what can happen is that we can understand that, okay, God, now I want you to reveal yourself to me. And then we begin to become consumed with the revelation and the signs that are pointing to Christ that we miss out on the fact that it was pointing somewhere. I mean, if we're sitting and driving from Boston to New York, do you get excited about the sign? As you're driving down 95 and you see the sign on the side of the road and it says a 100 miles to New York. Do you stop your car right there at that sign and start just jumping and dancing and thanking God? Whoa, thank you for 100 miles sign. I just thank you. No, the sign is pointing to a direction. It's pointing to something. And many of us, we can miss the mark of how God is revealing himself if we get caught up in the sign, but not recognize where the sign is pointing to. If he's speaking, it's pointing to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And through that, we begin to see that God is talking. He's revealing himself. He's sharing his heart. So as we tie this all together, as we look at these scriptures, God speaks and he's speaking today, but his expectation is that as he speaks, there's always an expected response. We see here in in Romans, what he talked about was the fact that God was making it plain to them. And so he said, they were without excuse. There was no excuse that as God was revealing himself to them, that they should have responded to the person that God was revealing, that in the work of Jesus Christ. Hearing from God, and if you desire to hear from God, it implies accountability. You cannot Hear me on this. You cannot hear from God and remain the same. You cannot hear from God and remain the same. Why? Because as he reveals a character and the nature of him, it transforms us more into the image and the likeness of Him, but what begins to happen is that we've adopted in our society, and it's also infiltrated our church, and it's this Greek word called pornania, and what this is, this pornography. It's a taking of something that was separated as that which belonged to God and defiling it and using it in ways that God never designed it for. So when when we talk about this aspect, what we want is we want God to reveal himself, but apart from relationship and accountability that draws us closer to him. And in pornography, what someone wants is they want a revealing outside of relationship. They want an experience, they want a feeling, but they do not want the commitment that goes along with that feeling. And in a society where pornography is rampant, We've subtly brought that into this aspect of walking with God and hearing his voice. We want to hear his voice, but we don't want to draw closer to him. We want to hear his voice and be able to put options on the table. We want to hear his voice and say, well, that's not really convenient right now, God. If we truly want to hear his voice, it comes in a place of intimacy and relationship that has been revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. In times past, he spoke through the prophets. The prophets were all pointing to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And how God, how is God speaking now? It's the fact that Jesus Christ is not someone who is dead because although he died upon the cross, the beauty of the Christian story is that he rose again. And so if he rose again, what it means is that he is alive and each and every day that we are still breathing, he is desiring intimate relationship with us so that he can reveal himself. And what does it say about who he is? He says he's the exact replication. Look at that scripture in Hebrews 1 and 1. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. This is more than just something someone talks about. This is more than just a story that's, oh, it's cute if you believe it. You have something you believe in. I have something I believe in. No, God is desiring to reveal himself. And he desires that so that we may walk with him. Let me share with this and I'll close, share this with you and I'll close. We ask the question, does God speak to his people today? I want to offer to you these four reasons why it may seem God is silent. If you're asking God, are you speaking one reason that it may seem that God is silent is because as the word tells us in Romans, some of us are in a state of rebellion. Seems God is silent because In our state of rebellion, the very thing we want, we don't want. We don't want to be associated with God, but yet we want Him to subtly prove that He's there helping us. The Bible says God gave them over to their sinful desires, but when their sinful desires yielded bad fruit, they said, See, God's not speaking. Sometimes it seems that God is silent because we're in a state of rebellion. Sometimes it seems that God is silent because we're not ready to hear from the Lord and obey. As I said, hearing from God and Him revealing Himself requires accountability because you're accountable for that which He's revealed unto you. And so you can't get in the place of relationship without having that level of accountability. The third reason is that we simply are not in a place of relationship with him. There's some who are rebellious that we said number one, but there are some who just don't know. They just don't know of why it's so important to have relationship with God. And the last place of why it seems that God is silent is that we're not in the place of discerning his voice. We have to recognize that there are a number of voices that are competing with God's voice in the earth. God speaks, Satan speaks, and the flesh speaks. And if we do not know God's voice, we're liable to follow any voice that comes and reveals themselves to us. But that is the pornania, the pornography, of the true relationship at the end of the day we will all have to answer the question that God asked that Christ asked Peter he says some say as as Peter was talking and Peter replied some say that the son of man is John the Baptist some say it's Elijah some still others say it's Jeremiah or one of the prophets So he began to first ask Peter, what what is this that they're saying about me? So I ask this question to you today. Mars Hill, who's this Jesus Christ that everyone's talking about? What's his person and nature? I mean, what's, what's so big about this Jesus Christ? Why is he so important? But then as Peter answered that question, Jesus got intimate and deep into his place where he was at at that time he says but what about you who do you say that I am (laughs) Peter answered you are the Christ the son of the living God Jesus Jesus replied blessed are you this is in Matthew chapter 16. Blessed are you, Simon. Simon, For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. Peter had a personal relationship because God had revealed himself in relationship. As every head is bowed and every eyes is closed. Does God still speak? We know that he's revealing himself through all of his creation each and every day. When we go outside, just when we leave out of here, we see the beauty of his handiwork in every single thing that takes place. We see the beauty of his handiwork as he goes and speaks in the midst of uh, whether we're going to class, whether we're going to work, whether we're just going on the train. And we see how God orders even the events of life. But it's not enough just to see God's handiwork and to appreciate it from afar and never really make an intimate commitment to say, God, I want to know your voice in a real and a personal way. Each of you, I'm asking the question. We've already asked, you know, Mars Hill, what is these people saying about this jesus christ but now i make this a personal question what about you who do you say that christ is who do you say that christ is is he truly the lord of your life Are you allowing him to reveal himself to you? Or are you consumed with life that you've missed out on all that God has been speaking and saying? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you simply to just to slip up your hands if you want to know God. Maybe you said, I thought I knew God. Maybe you said, I, I, I thought I knew who he was. I thought I knew about what he was doing. But maybe you're here today and as we've shared the message, you realize that I want to know him in a more personal way. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just simply raise your hand.